Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. All throughout Scripture, um, it's filled with um, stories about God calling people to specific, specific assignments or, or ministries or what have you. And all the way back in the Old Testament, um, God calls Abraham and, and his family to leave their life of comfort where they were and to go out into a land that God only knows where. And literally, God only knew um, and told him to go. He, he has this, uh, Moses has this experience in front of a burning bush in which God calls him to go to Pharaoh in Egypt and tell him, let my people go. And then you come into the New Testament, you have Jesus coming and, and, and starting his ministry, and he's calling people to come follow me. And, and then you get into a little bit further into the New Testament, you have the Apostle Paul, who actually starts out um, as, as, as a persecutor of the church and going out and on a road to Damascus to arrest Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem for trial. And God literally knocks him off his high horse <laughs> to the ground and calls him to a whole different life. And he becomes the apostle of Jesus Christ to the Gentile churches. And so it's filled with all kinds of very dramatic calls. Nothing like anyone here in this room has ever experienced, at least not that I know of. If you did, come tell me. I'd love to hear your story. But that's not typically the kind of thing that we experience. And so maybe you have thought, well, that's all cool, but that doesn't affect me. But here's the thing I want you to see. Would it surprise you to learn that God has a calling on your life? He really does. It's one of those things I firmly, firmly believe, that God has an individual, unique calling on each of our lives. Um, It's not just for pastors. It's not just for missionaries. That God has a calling on your life. And um, all through the New Testament, in fact, the the Greek word for call is kaleo. And our our Bible, our New Testament, was written originally in the Greek language. And this word kaleo appears over a hundred times in the New Testament. And every time, it's all about a God's purpose or God's assignment or God's reason for somebody's life. And, and he's got this call on your life and on mine. In fact, in fact, the, word, the Greek word for church is ekklesia, which literally translated means called out ones. That's you and that's me. You have a calling on your life. And here's two things that I believe about that. One is that I believe that God has a unique vision purpose, and calling for your life, and secondly, that he wants you to find it more than you do. <laughs> and, and so he is interested in this in your life. And so what we're going to be doing is in the next couple of weeks in this new series, we started this whole new series today called Elevate, and it's all about discovering. It's about finding and fulfilling God's higher calling on your life, your higher calling. And that's what we're going to be talking about. Because this, this idea of calling, every one of us has it deep inside. It's the thing that drives you with this hunger for meaning and purpose in your life. It's the thing that keeps you moving forward, searching for, for something to make a contribution in this world. It's that sense of calling. It's something that we long for and look for, um, but sometimes don't even find. So I'm really excited about this series because I'll tell you, this series is based on a book that was written 15 years ago. And if you were part of Northgate 15 years ago, together we as a church went through um, a 40 days of purpose uh, based on a book called The Purpose Driven Life. We actually, 15 years ago, were part of a beta test of that whole thing. Um, there was a number of churches around uh, the country that were invited to be a part of this. And we got to be a part of that before the book even came out. And we spent 40 days just going through and each person discovering their life 
purpose. And, and I will tell you, that made a fundamental change in the life of our church, and it made a fundamental change in the life of the individuals within our church family. And so I'm really excited about this series. It's something that we really haven't talked about in about 15 years. And I, that, that book, by the way, Purpose Driven Church, if you have that book, you know, get it out, dust off the cover. Um, it's raised, basically, it's 40 days of devotional. And, and each week hits one of these things that we're going to be talking about. And that's what we're going to be doing over the next six weeks, actually beginning today, five weeks after this. So if you've got a copy of that book, get it out. If you don't, it has actually been an expanded version of it has been re-released. It looks like this. And the title is, What on Earth Am I Here For? So it's available on Amazon. Um, now, somebody told me last night, they went to order it, and it's like, back-ordered. So you can also try to get it through PurposeDriven.com. But it's a 40-day devotional. It's something that I think will change your life. And, and I was talking about this yesterday with one of our staff members. He said, what? I don't, I've never read that book. I've never even heard of that book. And I said, really? I said, that book was like a bestseller worldwide. You know, how could you never heard of it? And then I began to realize she was like a teenager back then. <laughs> Which really made me start to feel old, all right? But um, so some of you, you've been through this and you know some of this information, but maybe it's kind of drifted for you. You've kind of gotten a little off course. For some of you, this is brand new stuff. But here's the thing. It will change your life and your life purpose, your higher calling, if you will. That is going to be with you through all of your life. Now, it will change a little bit. It will look a little bit different in the different seasons of your life. In fact, if you're a teenager right now, if you're kind of in high school or just you know, getting into college and you're making decisions about your career or, or the college you're going to go to and what your field of study is going to be, this is going to be incredibly helpful to you. If you're someone, a young adult that's graduated from college and you're just starting out in your career, or, or maybe you're married and you're just starting to raise a family, this is going to be incredibly helpful to you as you define your life purpose. If you're in midlife, okay, and you're kind of looking at life and you're saying, wow, half my life is pretty much over. What's the next half going to look like? This is going to be helpful for you. And if you're past that stage and you're in retirement and you're thinking, okay, I'm done with my job. You know, I'm done with my work. Now it's just all. No, you still have a purpose. And so it might kind of be re- um, reformatted a little bit over the course of your life. It's going to look a little bit different in each season of your life, but your purpose is going to remain constant all the way through. So wherever you are at in life, whether you know this stuff or not, and it's a refresher course, or whether you've never heard of it before, this is going to be helpful. And this, by the way, even if you're not a Christ follower, there's some principles in here that you can apply to your life. And over the next five weeks, we're going to kind of unpack this and examine it in depth. Today, we're just going to start with kind of an overview All right, so we're going to be in Romans chapter 12, and and I'm going to tell you, the book of Romans is incredibly deep. There is such theological truth throughout that whole book, and it really, it was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church in Rome, and so we're just going to be kind of scratching the surface, and I'm telling you that up front. For those of you who say, oh, that wasn't very deep, okay, I know that, all right? You don't have to come and tell me. You don't have to send me an email. I know it already, okay? But let me give you a little bit of background. The Roman church, Paul had never been there before. And this was kind of, and, and there, but other, there was a group of believers there. And so he wrote this letter to kind of fully lay out 
God's whole work all throughout human history. And so the first 11 chapters are this, talks about this idea of what God intended and how we lost it and how through God's grace and sending his son, Jesus Christ, we've, we've been redeemed, we've been forgiven, we've been given this new life. And so the whole first 11 chapters are all about this unfolding story of God's grace in this world. And he gets to chapter 12 and it kind of shifts just a little bit. And he starts with these words, Romans 12, beginning in verse one, therefore... In other words, all the stuff that I've been telling you about, okay, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to attest and approve what God's will is, God's will, that God's plan, God's direction for your life, God's calling on your life. That's what he's getting at, okay? His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and those members do not all have the same function, so in Christ We, though we are many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace God has given us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, Do it cheerfully. In those couple of verses, Paul kind of lays out this whole idea of what God's call is on your life. And and that's kind of where we're going to go in the next five weeks. We're going to unpack each of these. So I'm giving you an overview today, um, but it's all about discovering your life purpose, your higher calling, if you will. And Rick Warren writes about that in the book. And there's five questions to ask yourself and I'm going to give you those this morning, okay? So these are the questions when it comes down to, to um, discovering your life purpose, your higher calling. These are five questions that you can ask yourself that's going to help you over the next five weeks to discover what God's call is on your life. The first question is this. What's going to be the center of my life? Because whether or not you're aware of it, every one of us in this room lives and operates out of our center, it's, it's, it's the core of who we are. It's, it's, it's your core values, not just your beliefs. These are the convictions. These are the things that, that drive your life. They shape the way that you think. They influence the decisions that you make. Um, it determines your actions and behavior. They pretty much drive your life. You live out of a center. It's, it, it determines how you use your talents. And how you value your relationships. It determines how you spend your money. I was reading this week, um, local Super Bowl. It's a big deal around here this weekend. And today is finally going to be over. Um, but they were talking about how they're, in, the, in the aftermarket thing, they're, they're kind of disappointed because ticket values are actually down a little bit this year. An entry-level ticket, just to get in, kind of standing room only, is going to cost you about $3,000. And they're disappointed in that. <laughs> and actually, if you want to go all out, if you want to get that luxury suite, you know, the box suite and everything, that'll set you back about $240,000. 
for three hours of football. Now, who would pay that kind of money? People who have a great deal of value and core convictions about football, I guess. I don't know. But that's what it, it determines all of those kinds of decisions. And if it's not clear to you what your core convictions are, if you're not centered on God and on Jesus Christ, that's why your life drifts. See, if you're not clear about your core, your center, if you're not clear about that stuff, your life has a tendency to drift. You have a tendency to make the same bad decisions over and over again and can't figure out why you keep doing that. Because you don't have any core conviction. You don't have the real center. You don't know what that looks like for you. Your core convictions, your center, is kind of like your mental map of the way things are. Or if you bring that into the 21st century, it's your inner GPS. Okay? It's what guides you and directs you for your life. And that's why Paul writes these words. He says, so I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. He says it starts with your center. Now that needs a little bit of explanation there because you say, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. What does that mean? Well, to the people that Paul is writing to, there was kind of this, this belief or this kind of this way of looking at things that, that really the spiritual was all that really matters. And, and the body and, and the life on this earth doesn't really matter that much at all. It's really about your spirit. And so what Paul is writing to him, he says, no, no, no. Every aspect of your life matters. That's worship. Worship is how you are living your life. The message paraphrase puts it this way, because it really kind of captures the idea. It says, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. See, when God is at the center of your life, then all of your life becomes an act of worship. That worship, we, in fact, it's one of our core values as a church. We believe that worship is a lifestyle. It's not a style of music. It's not an hour or so on the weekend. It's about how you live your life. And when it's lived from the center and God is at the center, all of life becomes an act of worship. On your job, in your neighborhood, wherever you happen to be. And so the very first question, and that's where it's got to start, it's got to start at the center, is what's going to be the center of your life? Paul says, it's gotta be, God's got to be there, or you're going to drift. Second question, what will be the character of my life? Your character, my character, is the person that I am becoming. As a church, we've said it's one of our core, another one of our core values is that we are all people in process. Nobody's arrived. We are all working through this. And, and the idea behind that is our character is being formed every single day. And, and when God is at the center of our lives, that begins to shape and change our character. And what that means for us as a church is wherever you've been, whatever you've done, whatever it is that brought you through these doors and brought you to this place doesn't matter so much as where you go from here. And when we talk about being people in process, what's implied in all of that is that you are making progress in the process, okay? That you're moving forward. And that's what Paul writes about next sentence, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. In other words, if you go along with the culture of the day, that is going to shape you. That's going to form your character. Those values and those convictions, if those are the things that are influencing your life and shaping your life, that's going to have its impact on your character. If God's at the center of your life and what he is saying about life and what he is saying about your character matters, it will begin to shape you and change you in that way. And there are some very specific habits or practices or disciplines, if you will, that will help you move forward. Because what they do is they help renew your mind. See, what he's talking about is changing the way that you think. And the more that you understand God's ways, the more it's going to influence the way that you look at life and the way that you think and the decisions that you make. In fact, that's what he goes on. So he says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. As your mind is renewed, as it shapes your character, you're going to get a better understanding of what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, I kind of grew up in the church, okay? So I learned all about, you know, you need to have a quiet time, and you need to read your Bible, and you need to have a time of prayer, and you need to do... I, you know, I learned all about these disciplines. In fact, from a very, very young age, we were... when I, I pretty much grew up in the church, and so, like, I went through the whole Sunday school thing, and I was, I was an ace, in Sunday school, I'll just tell you, okay? We would have contests, and I would, I mean, if we got grades in Sunday school, I had straight A's. I had perfect attendance. We used to have this thing when I was a kid. We called them, they were called sword drills. Anybody re- know what I'm talking about? No, gosh, wow, okay, a few of you do. Okay, there was, your Bible, okay, from the verse in Scripture where it talks about the Bible is sharper than any, all Scripture is inspired by God, sharper than any two-edged sword. And so, your Bible is your sword, okay? And the drill was this. Everybody in the classroom had their Bible. We sat it in our hand. And then the teacher would give us the verse, the address of the verse, you know, whatever that scripture verse would be. And then he would say, charge! And we would all dig through our Bibles. And the first person to find that scripture got to stand up and got to read the scripture for the day, okay? I was an ace at sword drills. In fact, I was so good at sword drills, they gave me a handicap. I had to sit with my Bible under my chair while everybody else got to hold it in their hands, okay? That's how good I was. I was learning all the stuff. I was memorizing scripture verses. I was doing all that stuff, but I didn't understand why. And so many believers, and and I got to have a quiet time. I've got to, and we don't realize why. The why is about your character. It's not just being able to put another star on the chart that I did my Bible reading for the day. It's about how is it influencing my life and my thinking and how I'm approaching life. How is it changing my character? And that's the idea behind all of this. Now, here's a really good thing. Memorizing scripture is a good, good thing. Those memory verses that I had as a kid have sustained me and carried me a lot of times through my life. So one of the things you might start doing is just memorizing Scripture. You might start this week with just Romans 12, 1 and 2, the one we're talking about right now. That would be a good place to start. Start, get the devotional guide and start reading through it. Make that a daily habit because those are the things that will begin to shape your mind. And if you miss a day, okay, just pick up on the next day. Don't beat yourself up. Don't feel like I'm a bad Christian. Just pick up where you left off. Because the important thing is that it's changing your mind, changing the way that you think. Third question to ask yourself, what will be the community of my life? 
See, we were all created to be in community. We live in community. We live in relationships with other people. It's sometimes called that longing for belonging. We all have it. We have a a circle of close friends. We have a wider kind of circle of friendships and then acquaintances. But but we all have these relationships. and, And the people in your life have a great impact on your life. That's why like when you were a kid, how your parents were very, very interested in the kind of kids you were hanging out with. They wanted to know, okay, where do they live? You know, what, what are their parents like? You know, what is their household? They want, and and if, you're, if you're a kid now, that's why your parents are asking you those questions. And if you're a parent, you know why. Because you know the influence that those other kids can have on your kid. So we live in community. And so it becomes vitally important that we are part of a faith community. That's why we gather together for worship. And that's really the reasoning behind our community groups. What's the fact why we call them that? They are gatherings of 10 to 12 to 14 people. And we encourage you at the beginning of each of our series, we encourage you if you're not in a community group, here's a good time to jump in. Because you can jump in. And if you were here on the weekend, or, or even if you missed the weekend, but you listened to the podcast or watched the video cast or something like that, you know enough to be a part of the conversation. And that's really what the community groups are all about. Groups of 10 to 12 to 14 people gathered together, doing life together, talking about Scripture, learning in Scripture, but also applying to each other's life, supporting each other, encouraging each other, helping each other along. It's so important. It's what Paul talks about. In fact, he likens it to the idea of a human body. He said, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. That's how God designed you. That's how it shapes and helps define your purpose and your calling. Around here, it's become one of our core values. We say we want to be a grace-filled community where people can come just the way they are and find acceptance and welcome and the opportunity to change as God begins to impact their life. And I would say, I would take that even a step further to say, we are a place where people who may have left can return. That people who have wandered or gotten off track will still find an open door of welcome. That's what it means for us to be a grace-filled community. So the question to ask yourself is, what's going to be the community of my life? Fourth question. What will be the contribution of my life? You notice these all have C's. Isn't that cool? That'll help you remember. Okay, there's the idea. God put you on this earth to make a difference. He really did. One of our core values that has come out of this is the idea that we are called to live generous lives. But when we talk about generous living, it's not just about your money. It's that you have something to offer. You have talents and gifts. You have a, some time that you can use to be generous with all of those things. It's, it's all about investing in other people's lives. You have a contribution to make. I heard a definition of football a number of years ago now. It's one of my favorites. It's, there are 11 players on the field in desperate need of rest, surrounded by 60,000 people in the stands, desperately in need of exercise. And that pretty much defines it, okay? There are a whole lot of people in the grandstands. And what Paul is saying is get in the game. 
get in the game. You've got a contribution to make. And if you don't know what that is, if you don't know what that looks like, we actually have a class around here that we offer. And it's just kind of introductory. And if you kind of want to figure out what that looks like for you, actually in two weeks, on February 20th, on Saturday, it's going to be a morning seminar, just a one-day Northgate Youth Seminar called Finding Your Fit. There's information about it Looks like this out on the table. I would encourage, if you don't even know where to start, that's a good place because you can learn a little bit more about how God has shaped you and what your fit looks like. Another way is to just simply get involved in an area of ministry. Start making a contribution, and you'll, you'll get a sense of whether this is a fit for you. See, Paul keeps that body analogy going. He goes on, he says, So in Christ, though, we many, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others, we have different gifts. We're all uniquely shaped. We're all uniquely gifted. We're all uniquely talented. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Now, let me ask a question. How many of us? Okay, let me read it to you again. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Each of us. All of us. Yeah. Not, not some of us. Not a select few of us. That every one of us has been gifted in a way to make a contribution in this world, to make a contribution in God's work in this world. And so it becomes vitally important that you answer that question. Now, you don't, derive, you don't arrive at that by just you know, constant navel-gazing, but there is a certain amount of self-examination that is involved in it. He puts, talks about it this way, verse 3. By the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. And like I said, if you don't know where to start, finding your fit is a great, great understanding. Biblical approach to finding your fit. And then the last question. And this really starts getting into where your purpose lies. Is What's going to be the communication of my life? What does my life say? And it's not just what you do. It's actually how you do it. He goes on. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. See, the way that you live your life is a message to the people around you. Your life, your life is like an unfolding story. And it's being written every single day. And not only is it being written, it is also being read by the people around you. And every experience of your life is a part of that story. Not just your successes and your achievements, but also your struggles and your disappointments and your failures. They are all a part of your story. But see, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then your story has intersected with God's bigger story. In every aspect of your life, all of those experiences have been touched by His grace in some way. And so your story is really a part of God's bigger story of grace that He's working in this world. And it's important that you tell your story. It's important that you communicate what God has done in your life through those disappointments and struggles as well as your achievements and successes. 
that it's all part of that story that people are reading in your life. And it has all been touched by the grace of God. Your story is important because it reveals a part of God's story. And so one of the big questions to ask yourself is, so what is my story? What is my story telling? What is my life communicating? What is my life message to the people around me? goes to another one of our core values. We tell people, be redemptive in your relationships. That these relationships that you have, these people that are in your life, your story is a part of their story too. And God has brought them into your life so that you can share that story with them. Rick Warren, toward the end of his book, writes these words. Living on purpose is the only way to really live. Everything else is just existing. In the upper room, as Jesus was concluding his last day of ministry with his disciples, he washed their feet as an example and said, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Once you know what God wants you to do, the blessing comes in actually doing it. There are many good things you can do with your life, but God's purposes are the five essentials you must do. Unfortunately, it's easy to get distracted and forget what's most important. It's easy to drift away from what matters most and slowly get off course. To prevent this, he says, you should develop a purpose statement for your life and then review it regularly. So that's what we're going to do. In the next five weeks, this whole series about Elevate, finding and fulfilling your higher calling, we're going to unpack this a little bit more. Each one of those things that we just kind of introduced, and each one of them, we're going to talk about what does that look like for you and for me? How does that intersect our lives? So that's where we're going. I hope you're going to be a part of every aspect of it. I hope you get the book and start reading through and using that as a daily devotional. I hope you'll get involved in a community group. But more than anything else, I hope and pray that you'll discover God's purpose for your life, his calling, his higher calling for you. Would you bow your heads with me? So that's what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks. And we're going to get more into detail and practical application. But here's the thing. Any major life change always comes down to a decision to get it started. And that's why every weekend when we close our time together, we take this little time of quiet and reflection. Because you've heard a lot and you've, you've, you've sung a lot, all of that stuff, but... But the real question in this moment, and I'm just going to give you a moment to think about this, where does this message intersect your life? What is God speaking to you? And we try not to do this in a manipulative way. It's not, it's not about getting you know, people to make um, emotional decisions. It's just take a moment and ask yourself, where does this intersect my life? It may be that you know this stuff. That once upon a time, you wrote out a life statement, a life purpose statement. But it's, you know, something you did 15 years ago, and it's tucked away somewhere in a Bible or in a book or whatever. And you've just kind of gone on with life, and it's drifted. Or maybe this is brand new to you. You've been a Christ follower for a long time, but it's this idea of calling and purpose you've never thought about for your own life. 
Or you may be here today, and this is all brand new to you. And for you, it starts with that center piece. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do, to make a decision about this. And, and to declare it in a very simple way. And if you're here and you know what that purpose is, but you've kind of drifted, or you've never heard about a purpose, you've been a Christ follower for a while, but, it's, but this is something brand new for you, but you are making a decision that, Lord, I'm going to pursue for the rest of my life, no matter where I've been before, for the rest of my life, I'm going to pursue your purpose and your calling on my life. And if that's the decision you could make today, then I'd like to pray for you as we close. And I'm going to ask you, like we do each week, just raise your hand, hold it up, look up and catch my eye because I want to acknowledge you and let you know I am praying for you. I'm, this is the decision. Lord, I'm going to pursue your purpose for my life. I'm going to pursue your higher calling. And if that's you, just raise your hand, hold it up for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yes. 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 All right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's a first-time decision. It's that centerpiece. And, and you've never really done this before, but it's, it's the, the prayer is simply, God, I've been living my life doing my own thing, going my own way, and i got enough failure and mistakes and sin to show it. And I want to change that. I want that to be changed. And so today, for the very first time, I am putting my life in your hands. I am asking for your grace and your mercy and what Christ did for me on the cross to come and change my life. I'm starting today with a brand new relationship with you. Same thing. Would you just raise your hand? Hold it up for a moment so I can acknowledge you and pray for you as we close. All right. Good. Yeah. Yes beautiful so I'm going to invite you to just make this your prayer wherever you're at whether it's a first time or, or renewal of something you've always known about Lord here I am gotten a little off course some of us Lord we've known this stuff for years and we just kind of drifted for some of us it's brand new for some of us it's a first time decision to put our lives in your hands and to find your purpose for our lives but we all come with the same prayer. Would you take us where we're at? Would you begin to unfold that story for us? Because today, we're making a decision to pursue you and your calling for our lives. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.